crazy to you know see the team still improving you know, late in the season. We uh we only lose to Pittsburgh by seven. You know, get only give up seven goals, but uh you know a few weeks ago we gave up eleven. I like to say that's some late season development. Big steps there. <laughs> Huge. <laughs> oh man, we are. <laughs> It's tough right now. Um, I mean, these games were kind of a mixed bag, but again, with who we have in the lineup, it's just doesn't really matter, right? I mean, there's a lineup decision or a management decision today that's questionable. We'll get into that and how that impacts roster moves. But uh, yeah. Um, hi, welcome into the Production Line podcast. I'm your host, Garth Wickham. Grant Wickham. And Andy. Yeah, here to talk about all things Red Wings hockey the past week. Um, some fun prospect stuff towards the end. Um, a random signing again. You know, make that two random signings for the end of the season for Steve Eisman here. Um, yeah, but first, a quick word from our show sponsor and friends of Inside the Rank, BetUS. BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines for their 27th year of live betting. Sign up for BetUS.com with promo code RINK for 125% sign-up bonus. Again, use promo code RINK for your 125% sign-up bonus. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry. BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, four games this week. Still no Magnus Helberg, which um, I said in the last podcast, I'm pretty sure that I was expecting him to play one of these games. I don't know if you guys felt the same going into it either, but... Yeah, I kind of was like, we signed him, so I figured we'd use him at once at one point or another. Like, we had what seven games left when we signed him? Uh, nine. Oh, but he got he came in like with eight left. I think he didn't get it over until the eighth game was happening. But the signing happened with nine games left. It's right. a really interesting situation considering they've been trying to sign him since Christmas, right? Roughly, so that basically was the new year. Ar- around the time where Grice was battling injury and they weren't certain about the goaltending situation, so they reached around and grabbed uh, a European guy. So makes me wonder if this isn't something – this is a deal that got done way earlier, and at this point in the season they don't really care about seeing him play, and they, the deal was already done, so they just brought him over. That is a good I mean yeah, that is an interesting point. Like I'm sure they still want to see him considering they're spending the money, but again, at this point of the year and how the season's gone, I'm really like interested. Like I'd love to be a fly on the wall between a conversation between Steve Eisman and Jeff Blashell at this point. Like who's really, you know, making the decisions lineup wise? Because I'd like to think it's Steve Eisman for the most part, but then you look at um who's playing in goal the defensive things. I mean, there's a fourth liner. That's not a fourth liner. That's been playing that grants pretty passionate about currently. Um, so I, I, it makes me think that it's not, it's Blashell That's still in full control right now. Well, ultimately it's a coach's decision. It's not a general manager's decision to put a product on the ice. Right. But given the circumstances with how Blashell has coached this year, and if he's really on uh, thin ice, which he should be, makes you think that Steve would be stepping in and saying what he wants at the end of the season. But also he could just be still standing in the shadows. 
Mm. Right. Which no, I... is typical between a coach and a GM. It's not like a GM is just in the ear usually. Right. No, I, and that's what it should be. I'm not rooting for like like whoever the coach is next year. I don't want Eisenman to be making the decisions. The coach gets paid however many millions of dollars to make the tough decisions of the lineup. But at this point of the year and how the season has gone, I've, I was expecting more of prospects being inserted in the lineup. Granted, there's not that many roster spots with defensemen, let's say, but I mean, there's a certain forward who we'll get to later, who I was really convinced that would see the, you know, the last part of this year. But again, I guess not. Um, but yeah, we can move into the uh, game that happened uh, almost a, like, a little over. It was six days ago. Excuse me. I was about to say a little over a week ago. It was not that um, we'll be a week from when this drops tomorrow. Um but yeah, Ned um, was sick this game because there was an illness going around the team. So Grice started, Helberg backed up, and we ran 11-7 and seven this game. But what's a little asterisk there, because uh, Jordan Osterley was playing right, right wing. And Grant, I know you were pretty passionate about this. Yeah, I just don't. It makes no sense to run a defenseman up front unless it's literally Curtis McDermott where he's just going to run around hitting guys and he can just play an enforcer role. I, I have no idea what the deal is with that, why you're playing Osterley when he's the least impactful guy on the ice by far when he's playing on the wing. On the fourth line, he's not even doing anything relevant. And you scratch a guy, Chase Pearson to be exact, why not just fill him in on the fourth line? At least he knows how to forecheck offensively and stuff like that. I, If you're going to run seven defensemen, play seven defensemen. Don't play him up front unless, like I said, it's Curtis McDermott. I, makes no sense to me. Yeah, you're basically setting up like in def- all defense for Jordan Osterley here. You're setting him up for failure, a position he hasn't, he's not played. And you're also playing him five minutes. So, it's, again, it's a waste of a roster spot as well, um, which, again, should not be overlooked. Because then you're, we're basically playing, at that point, we're playing 11 and 6. Because that player is only playing, I think Oshley played somewhere around six minutes that night. He played, like, 10. Oh, he played 10. Excuse me. So, I guess he did play quite a bit, like, a decent amount for a fourth liner. But still, it, I mean, he's, a, again, back to your point, he's not doing anything out there. It's not making an impact. I mean, I guess granted it didn't really matter this game. Um, the Red Wings won four to three. Um, it's kind of a fun game, honestly. Um, a lot of back and forth. Um, I really, really liked the second line this game and how well Verona played this game. I mean, he tied Danny Grant for uh, quickest Red Wing to score 20 goals after joining the team, 32 games, which I mean – it. It's so hard at this point not to imagine what the season would be like if he played a full 82 game season. Like how many, like how many goals do you think he would have scored? Yeah, I think he'd be up there around like 35 ish. if not more like goal scores are streaky. Right. So yeah. I don't know. And he'd also have that more time to gain chemistry with the other guys too. So I'd say like around a 30 goal score, 35 ish or so maybe. I don't know. I was thinking somewhere in the realm of 40, like across a full season. Yeah. But like, yeah. again, it's so hard to, he's to actually such a hard player to judge because he's such a unique player. Right. I do think he could go on a, a wicked tear as of 
his last season tour when he got traded to Detroit, he was on eight goals in 11 games. Mm-hmm. Also, he had such a wild start too, and he catches fire and scores five goals in two games and stuff like that. Where yeah. I think there would be a span that he would go goalless for a while. I think that could happen to him with the type of player he is. Yeah, a lot of goal scorers go through a span. I mean, granted, like your top Austin goal scorer, Matthews, well, even him, man. Like he hasn't scored in four games, and he's been okay. sat or he was out for three too. So yeah, but that's what I mean. Like, like four games for a fifty, almost a sixty goal scorer is a long time. Yeah. But if you're like a 35, 40 goal scorer, seven, eight games would be like more like equivalent, I'd, I'd assume, like for like the tier level, right? Yeah. So he's currently on a 44 goal pace right now. If it was across a full season, the 24 games, he's got 13 goals. So and I think he's I, still been streaky in that span, too. Oh, yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. A lot of multiple goal games. Yes. I think he's had three, I think. I want to say three, yeah. Columbus, right. Tampa, or wait, no, not Tampa. Oh, four, four. Columbus, yeah. Tampa, he scored two. He did it. Okay. Columbus, Tampa, um, Arizona. No, no, not Arizona. Um, Minnesota. Yeah. Um, that might be it. Actually, maybe it was only three. But again, and like we've talked about it, like his usage and who whose ideal linemates are, and you can say whatever you want, but I mean, the guy produces with whoever he plays with. Realistically, granted, he is streaky, but over like you accept that when you take on a scorer like that, because you look across the full season and how productive he actually is and how many goals he is putting up. It's crazy. Um, uh, Sunquist also. So like the it's, the game started. I'm pretty sure it wasn't it. Um, it was they went down two nothing, wasn't it? The in this game. I'm I not think so. They went down. What was it? They two went down. It... it might have been just one because I, all I know is Sunquist. Like Sunquist got that nice um, play. It was a kind of a mismatch, like in front of the net. Sunquist, Ernie, and Rasmussen are all like right in front of the net. Just uh, big guys being big dudes. The Kaiser just throwing the puck to the net, and that was like the weird. I don't know. It was a weird like slap in where Vasilevsky hadn't even dropped to his knees yet, and like he's just still standing, and Sunquist kind of slams it home. Yeah, it's just a funny. I don't know, it doesn't happen that often, so to me, it's like a funny visual. I don't know, like if you guys see it the same way, but like I just think it's kind of funny. Um, but yeah, that kind of like changed the tide of the game, though. I mean, we had, um, yeah, Zadina found Verona for that really nice shot on his on his first goal. Uh, that was right after the power play, which was a really bad power play. Zadina had enough patience to find Verona, and like the shot. He shot it perfectly around Rasmussen's foot, which is like should not be like forgotten about. Like off first watch, it's like, oh, that's he just shot it towards the net. But if you look at it again, it's like that little minuscule inch that he like was able to work with. And it just shows his shooting ability. Cause it wasn't like a it wasn't a snipe either. It was like that it was like six inches off the ice. Which is just, something. The, just kind of throwing the puck towards the net type right. of play. Yeah, yeah. You, you look at it at first glance. He's like, "Oh, lucky, like you know, lucky shot." He's threw it at the net, but like you look at it, he picked the exact spot that was open, right? Which, which again, just goes to his scoring ability. But um, yeah, Vasilevsky did not have a great game this game. Neither did Mikhail Sergachev. What happened to him? 
What do you mean? Like, I, like, I thought he was bad this game. I mean, that's just how he plays. He's yeah, such he's a dynamite player that he's going to make so many mistakes, but be, be so creative and so fun offensively. And this game, he was only just uh, liability. Yeah. But that's just, I don't know. I I wasn't surprised. If anyone's going to throw a game, it's going to be Mikhail Sergachev. He's a game fun to watch. He's a game breaker either way. Either he's going to help you win the game or he's going to like not be the main cause, but be a problem. Well, well, usually in bigger scenarios too, he's not going to be the one that's right because he's not playing over Hedman and McDonough or Chernak for that matter. Usually, I guess. I love I, Chernak. I think Sergachev is so fun to watch. I, I, I don't know. He's electric. Not gonna lie. He's a lot he of fun. He just, yeah, yeah. Two goals. He literally turned over right to the Red Wings. That yeah, that's went, what I was gonna... turned into goals. Yeah, I was gonna go into. I, love... I was gonna go into those. Go ahead. Uh, I, was, I just want to say I love watching uh, Sean Avery's Instagram stories when they play, and he's just like, "Oh, look at Sergey go and look at him." And he's like, he'd be like, "Cough the fuck!" But look at this play. He's trying to make things happen here. And they're like, "Yeah, Avery, you're right. I love it." <laughs> he just he's just a bolt diehard fan all of a sudden the last two years three years i guess now bandwagon oh yeah gotta love it gotta respect it though yeah yeah nothing wrong with that i'm just yeah obviously an observation again i do know sergachev is extremely talented but it is it's kind of criminal that he's the fourth best defenseman on that team in my opinion it depends how you look at fourth best I'm not saying that in a bad. I'm not trying to d- diminish him at all. I just really like the other three defensemen. Like those are like Sergachev's probably a, a number two on any on a respectable team, right? It's just Tampa Bay's defense is crazy. Well, it it all goes to usage. Sergachev could go to another team and be the first power play guy and logging. I don't think he should ever play first amount of minutes. There should be a, a defense a defenseman that is a lot better at defending than him that should be playing more than him, but. You're not going to have McDonough playing first pairing or for, I don't think first defenseman minutes on a team. I don't think McDonough. No, I think he could play shutdown minutes. Yeah, he could, but I don't think you overhaul him. I think they play him perfectly in Tampa. He's in such a good situation. I agree. Absolutely. Like, I mean, they have that luxury where I'm they look better than what they are, but I'm saying like they'd be respectable in any other role. You know what I mean? They'd be a, an average you know, top pairing defenseman in any other role. They wouldn't look as good as what they are. Definitely. I'm just, I'm just saying as if you're running him as your horse. Yes. Com- no, no, no. Com- that's complete horse. No, right. I, I agree with that. They're not number one guys. I'm saying Chernak also, I think if he goes to a team, even as a second defenseman, he wouldn't be able to. And I think Sergachev would. I would love him behind Cider. I, I love Chernak, but I just, I don't know. I Sergachev's a guy that I think could succeed very well in a different system where he's playing more. Yeah, has a has a steady partner where he's in. They the way they have him is they run him wild and let him play freely, and I love it because he has room for error with McDonough and Hedman in front of him on the left side. Yeah, it's, he's it's, it's free range out there. It's goofy, but it's fun to watch. They're going to have some crazy decisions to make cap-wise with three players, and that being Sergachev, um, Sorelli, and Chernak. 
there are going to be some tough decisions made because I really love of Anthony Sorelli too. He's so good for like a second line center. He's yeah, right. good. He's solid. Like all he's, he's like mostly he's mostly a defensive center, but again, he's a yeah, like you said, he's a winner. Well, he's a winner and very very good two way center in my eyes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That's what I was saying. He's very good defensively. Yeah. It's it's almost a set like based on the setting. The higher the stage, the better he is all around. Yeah. Also, Nick Paul has been electric since he's came over there. Dude, his his in between the leg goal. Oh, uh, I was watching that game. I almost threw up. That's so much. He was a, like, he's an interesting player because like, kind of sheltered in Ottawa, but he was always like the guy who would kind of like was the heart of the team a little bit, in a depth role more so, like him and like a Connor Brown. Like it's interesting because I I like that trade way more for Tampa, but Matthew Joseph's been really good for Ottawa too. So that trade yeah. almost could work out really well for both teams because they couldn't they couldn't sign Nick. I mean, they could sign Nick Paul, but they didn't, they didn't want to pay him. Right. The one thing about watching Nick Paul since he's joined Tampa is I didn't realize like how fast he can be. Like in in Ottawa, like he like he was good and everything like that, but I didn't realize he had that like extra gear. That right. he's found in Tampa, I'd say, but it also goes with systems and like pace of play that your team is playing with. Tampa is a high octane offense, so yeah, it's kind of going back be... to like a surgery type talk where you have free range to do anything offensively. They're gonna be really interesting to watch, like down like first round of the playoffs, obviously against Toronto. That's gonna be a really fun series. I'm excited for that one. I think um, I think they're they're gonna lose. I think so too. I think I would put my money on Toronto as well, but which is a really scary thought in the first round. But I honestly, I th- think Toronto wins this year. I think so too. Um, but yeah, kind of getting back to this game. Um, yeah, with Sergachev, kind of what started all that, and then the second goal. What a play by Raymond in the in neutral ice. There, the puck gets flipped out. He just outmuscles Sergachev, and. All of a sudden, Raymond comes down, kind of a two-on-one with Bertuzzi, and he he chooses to shoot. And uh, I forgot what the Ken Daniel said, like on the broadcast, or something about like through whatever. And it was really like I can't remember exactly what he said. Now I'm butchering it, but so funny. Um, but yeah, t- not a great goal, five hole. Um, that'd be Raymond's twenty third of the year now, which puts him up. Um, yeah, that'd be tying uh, Larkin's goal total from his rookie year, which is pretty impressive at this point. Um, and again, I feel so bad, like looking at like I don't know if you've looked at Raymond's plus minus. Either of uh, you, it's got to be pretty bad right now. It's probably minus twenty, negative thirty one. Okay. Ooh. Yeah. And th- like I like I saw something online. It was like how it's skewed, and I completely agree. It's like just think about how many goals, empty net goals that the Red Wings have given up. When they play six on five. Well, uh, I I understand people whining about that, but it's still a minus. No, it's still a minus, but I'm I'm just saying it doesn't paint the whole picture. Okay. Well, other players teams don't give up those empty nets. No, I, I know. It's it's again, it, it goes back to plus minus being a team stat. Right? Like Minnesota is like is aren't they like the best team six on five? I'm pretty sure I saw. Mm, yes and no but what do you mean by that scoring goals six on five or they have their goalie pulled so much they give up a lot of six on five goals but they also score a bunch right so so it depends how you look at it right but i think i saw that detroit's given up the most empty net goals ever 
I'm pretty sure it is. Like, I'm pretty sure that's what the stat was. They were, they were tied with someone, I'm pretty sure. I think they passed it at this point, but um, maybe I'm wrong. Either way, it's always good. I mean, Jeff Blaschel's, again, to his credit, I agree with it, the, how aggressive you are pulling the goalie, in a sense. Um because, I mean, it gives you more time to play with an extra man. And it, goal differential doesn't matter in the NHL. This isn't Premier League. Right. So I I get it. Like, it doesn't matter if you lose 3-1 or 4-1. Right? In the scheme of things, it's still – you're not getting any points. But Well, it, in the Wings case, it's like 8-1 or 10-1. But, yeah. <laughs> Just imagine pulling the goalie with, like, at the start of the third period. <laughs> sure. Right. back. Oh, yeah. Jeff Jackson. <laughs> like Jeff Jackson, like state style. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I kind of finished off. I mean, it's funny. Vassy gives up a really bad um, five hole goal, and then Tampa Bay goes in the power play, and Grice immediately gives up arguably a worse five hole goal from Kucherov. That was rough too. The one where like he's like hugging the post, and you're squeezing the pads, and you know it went through. Where like Vassy's was a two-on-one situation. It's kind of a little more direct, but yeah. Um, I mean, the Red Wings did end up pulling it out. And another thing I, I liked from this game is how well um, Joe Valeno played actually in the, as first line center with Larkin's absence. And that's what we said what we wanted the last episode is we didn't really know what to expect. We thought we were going to get first line Pew Suter, you know, maybe some second line Michael Rasmussen and Joe Valeno gets to chill at, at third. But um, yeah, Joe Valeno filled in pretty well i thought i don't know about if you guys have any thoughts on that yeah i i thought joe was really good i also thought bertuzzi had a surgence also thomas christ had a great game he did besides that one bad goal i think i've said this all the time christ is good (laughs) for one bad goal and that was kind of a fluky goal where he was not expecting kutra to shoot there and yeah it was really awkward uh but I mean, a 9.27 for Grice against one of the best teams in the league and a win. Yeah, it's a great game. Cannot and complain. Without your captain, who just was just, you know, announced that he's going to miss the rest of the season. Um, yeah, great effort. And I thought that was a fun game that the Red Wings kind of needed. And, a, and you bring up Bertuzzi as well. And I think it's really important for him to how he plays down the stretch as well. You know what I mean? Yeah, to carry this into next season. Um, yeah, moving on. They stayed in Florida, and it was announced that Philip Zeno wouldn't be playing this game, so Gagne moved up in the second line spot. And after the game, we got confirmation that Zadina would be out the rest of the year due to an illness, but we didn't know what the illness was. But it was an um, appendicitis, so he had his appendix taken out, which would normally be like a week recovery. But obviously, with you know the season being done in a week, doesn't really matter. We can shut him down. Um, so it's kind of like a review of Zadina's season I mean not you know unfortunate with the production but I thought towards the back half of the season I really thought he kind of came into his own I mean again he wasn't really finding the net consistent consistently but I thought he was able to develop chemistry with Jacob Rana which we we saw at its spurts last year but it didn't really show up as points but I thought he played well the second half of the year all right I'm gonna be Mr. Negative this oh just, weird Describe well. I I honestly don't know. It's not anything different than he did last season towards the end of this season. The only thing different was he 
was bad at the start of the season and then kind of came back to his play last season towards the end. Yeah, no, I, I and again, I, I agree. I, I, again, I, I thought Zidane, again, you bring up the Zidane played well last season. It's just the points didn't come. And I, and that's what I'm saying. He kind of came back. That's fair. He did come back to his level. He was playing at last year. So getting better is not something I know of his season. I think this was a bad season overall for him and he didn't really show anything great. Uh, it sucks that he had that surgery, but I'm hoping that he's, everything's good with him. That went well. Yeah, no, I think, and I think obviously that's kind of a common thing to have done. Um, it just sucks. I, I do feel like I feel for Zadina there. I think, you could you could point to like I don't know six seven points this season where you're like yeah that puck probably should have went in but again the good scorers in the NHL find a way to put those pucks in the net and he hasn't developed that yet that's that's a fact. Um, with his season next year, I mean obviously there was tons of rumors speculating with Sarah Volley reporting on it. I mean Elliot Friedman even suggested maybe it's time for a change of scenery. I don't know. Time will tell. And we can speculate on that maybe more so in the summer, but um, I did see, I did like what I saw from the back. Like I would say this last like 20 games, I liked what I saw from Zadina and I I'm if he comes back like if he's still on the team next season, I mean, his contract's not going to be an issue at all. He's an RFA and he has nothing to show that he deserves more money. So it's going to be a cheap contract. Um, yeah. He's definitely he's proven he's an NHLer. That's not that's not a question. He's a he's shown he's a perfectly fine third line player. But the question is how much more can he be, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, and hopefully we get to we get to answer that. Um, but yeah, Florida game, different story. Rough game. Um, five two loss. I uh, fortunately got to miss this game because I went to men's league. Unfortunately, we tied. Hate to break it. I did. I did score an end to end, end goal. So if you guys were wondering, my elite Killing prospects page should, yeah, my elite prospects page should be uh, updated. Uh yeah, no, it was uh, Antonio Stranges. You know the oh, you wrapped <laughs> around the whole net. You know, the crazy whole... edge, crazy edge work going all the way down. No, it was the Those worst hits. thing. I like went through. It was a one on two. I was with the defenseman, so I just like did my like patented shoot through a screen. And the goalie had no idea where the rebound was. And it was just like, I literally skated to the net after through the two defenders. And I just put in the rebound on my one-on-two play. Are you seriously yeah. describing a men's league goal that you scored? Would you rather me describe the Red Wings goals this game? Yeah. No. <laughs> it's funny. Um, yeah, this game, I guess, I guess nobody cares about my men's league games. That's fine. I did. I did. Thank you. I appreciate you guys it. Listen to, you guys listen to my men's league, so I, I'll I'll return the favor. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. You're welcome. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, this game five two. Uh, Gagne did end up scoring in his new second line role, and I thought he played fine. Like what I saw, I, I did watch the highlights of this game. Um, the big thing I pulled away from, like highlight wise, was the Tyler Bertuzzi goal. That was sick. That was mean. The look Dude. off. The it was a crossbar, it wasn't junction, I don't think, but it was crossbar. Sick, yeah. What were you gonna say, Grant? Uh, uh, Gagne played really well, yeah. I and again, he's really making that case, and it's tough because we have Sunquist, who I want to play in a fourth line role, 
and it kind of like fills in Gagne's spot. But again, we've talked, Grant and I, we talked about it on, I think it was yesterday. I think we talked about it, but there's no reason that like over other players that are on the roster currently, there's no way Gagne should be, you know, not playing over them like next year. You know what I mean? Like if that's yeah. the, if, if that's a direct comparison for that right-handed shot under contract with Sunquist, that shouldn't hold you back from bringing in Gagne back. Cause I think he's been, especially when it's been kind of gloom, he's also stepped up and taken the heat from the media a little bit. He's good for that. I mean, I think he's up to, is he up to 13 or 14 goals this year? I think, or is it 15? I don't know. Uh, I think it's only 13. It's only 13. Still, I mean, from a fourth line guy, that production's great. You're only hoping, like, uh, to me, like, fourth liner, if you're putting in 20 points a year, that's great. Yeah. You know I mean? And he penalty kills. He's pro- our, one of our most used penalty kill guys. Granted, our penalty kill isn't great, but there's more to it than just Sam Gagne. Um, he's, also just, no, <clears throat> he's also just a good veteran presence, I feel. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, so how positive he speaks about Detroit in the press, that does something. Like, for Steve Eisman, he can use that as – his leverage in free agency and be like, Hey, listen, like this is a veteran guy that we've come mm-hmm. in. He's played minutes and he really likes it here. Right. Like that go, that helps you want right. veteran players to enjoy their time in your, even if you're rebuilding, you want them to enjoy themselves. Like the, the, um, the lore around Buffalo for like the longest time is veterans hated playing there. Right. And then right. that just creates bad vibes and stuff from, from guys in free agency and then you get you get the sense where you're overpaying guys like Kyle Ocposo and stuff to come in. Now, granted Kyle Ocposo has been great this year. Not six million, but he's been good. Um yeah. And you struggle to ever improve through free agency. You're always trying to you're overpaying for guys that are, you know, kind of just in the margins. Where Detroit's kind of done well and they've targeted players like Mark Stahl, Sam Gagne. Actually Mark Stahl, as I'm wearing the the one thousand shirt came in today. Um, guys who really um, have been there, done that, and have played in different locker rooms and can speak from experience. When and then it means something when they say uh, they really enjoyed their time playing in Detroit. Yeah. Well, the one only one thing I have to say against that, in Gagne's case specifically, he was in the A. He was buried in the AHL a couple of years ago. Like he couldn't. He had an NHL contract, but he couldn't make a lineup. He was on loan to the Toronto Marlies. So he's going to probably enjoy, enjoy every single day in the NHL, no matter where it is. <clears throat> but it does still speak highly of like where he wanted to come back and still wants to be like, he's speaks highly of the locker room and the organization and stuff like that. It still does. It's a good word. Cause also like he's traveled to many places over his career. So, and yeah, he's been on some decent teams. He's had some great years for himself personally on some bad teams as well. And I mean, yes, he was younger at the point at that time and didn't maybe say much, but he's speaking out now, probably because he can. He has the veteran status, but he's put in good feedback to other free agents that are either aging out, looking for another contract, or looking for a new place to play. Anyways, right? No, no, that's yeah. You bring like again with Gagne, like he was an AHL guy that was you know on NHL money, but then. He was able to rejuvenate himself and change his role completely, which again can kind of be more of a selling point as guys are able to come in and have success regardless of their role. Right. Right. And they're given the opportunity rather than just being signed to, you know, basically he's making for 
argument's sake, he's making league minimum, right, right. to play in Detroit. And he's he's not just being scratched every night. It, for over yeah. the kids, he's he's playing every game. That's not a Mike Commodore situation. Yeah, different different coach, definitely. Oh, can, <laughs> for sure. We can complain <laughs> about Jeff Blaschel, but again, he wasn't a jerk like that. He's a jerk like that to you know Dennis Chalowski on his bobble his bobblehead night, but <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. It's besides all, the point. That's an all really like, there. Also, he doesn't schedule a bobblehead night. No, he doesn't, but it's just funny. Like that's how it works. I don't know. I, I back Jeff Blash on that one. <laughs> he also he also did scratch uh Dennis Klosky in his first game back in Vancouver. That was a little messed. Yeah. <laughs> the bobblehead no. night one I, I understand a little bit more. And um, also Svechnikov, the first Svechnikov bowl last year, scratched Evgeny. Again, you can argue whether or not Evgeny should have been in the lineup, but kind of the same thing. I don't know. I, I don't have to talk about Jeff Flash. I was just, and now that I just got down that rabbit hole of things he's done, but um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the weird, the weird thing coming out of this game. Also, Osterley was forward again, so Grant, you know, makes him happy. No, the weird one from this game was the Sunquish slash that I did not see. I was getting texts from our our dad Grant, and he was upset that a slash w- resulted in a game misconduct and a five-minute major within the game. I did not know the rule. I did see that I guess now they're cracking down on slashes of the hand, and that was a no intention to play the puck, which I guess is kind of true, but he did have the puck, so I don't know. I'm confused on that one. It was definitely a penalty. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to argue whether or not it was a slashing penalty, but the game misconduct, I've never seen that called before, so I don't know what you guys think on that. Uh, you can't tell me with 100% confidence that he wasn't trying to slash the stick or that he was trying to slash his hands. No, no, no I'm not saying I'm not saying he was. That's what the penalty is, though. That's, yes. The five-minute major is 100% intentional that he wanted to take out the guy's hands, like hurt him, basically, is what yeah. my understanding of the five-minute major is. And you can't tell me that Sunquist was 100% intention were to take out his hands. I think he missed the stick, and I think it should have been a two-minute penalty. Yes. Right. <laughs> like, the way the rules set out is, like, or the way, sorry, the way that it, this whole play set out, uh, played out, sorry. It, to me, it sounded like, because I, I didn't see it either myself, but, like, when I saw that he kicked out for a slash, I was like, okay, well, did he, like, Chris Simon a guy and just slash a guy over the head? Like, did he, like, <laughs> what did he do here? And when I watched the play, I was like, well, that happens like every other shift in the playoffs, at least. So is this going to be a thing going into the playoffs too? Like, are the rules going to change again? No, that's, no. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, that happens all the time. One, at least once a game, I'd say. Like, somebody goes to play, you know, a hard slash on the stick and hits the guy in the hand. I mean, it has to sit down for two minutes. Yeah, so then the, and then the five minutes, like, out of nowhere in my in my uh in my viewpoint as well yeah if you're gonna call a tight game then fine but then there's a complete headshot to mo cider which shook him up and he left the game for a little bit and there's absolutely no call on the ice and you can't say whether like oh he ducked but there was no intention of playing the puck on that and his hands went straight into cider's head it wasn't he wasn't leading with the shoulder all right so again there's you can add that you can add that to the list of complaints we've had going back to early in the season where 
all the hitting from behind and headshots that weren't called our way or called against us. The Red Wings gotten bullied this year by the referees. Yeah, by the stripes right there for sure. We've had a tough one. And it's just like, come on, like we have we're not that good. (laughs) Give us a call or two. Yeah, give us us a bounce, boys. Throw us a a bone. Yeah. Throw us a bone. Um, Yeah, I I think um, who wasn't? It was um, it was Ned in this one. Yeah, I feel for Ned. Um, It was also funny, like when when I was at Men's League, the uh, the infamous Leah Hextall audio came out and Grant obviously was dying like in the group chat, like full on all caps laughing about what she said to Wayne Simmons. Oh, uh, then no, it was the other thing, like went in between the benches. Okay, yes, yes. It was them chirping each other and her hand signals. Can I just say, like, all the discourse that happened on Twitter, that was worse. The the hand signals pointing back and forth, that was yeah, worse 100%. Than, than the question. The question was just really weird. Uh, it I was... But there's everyone asks those kind of weird questions usually. Yes. I think the whole that was one of the cringiest moments I've ever seen in the history of sports. I don't care. That was horrible to listen to. It, like it, it reminds me of like watching like a boxing movie where the referee's like, You ready? Pointing to each corner. That's yeah, yeah. Point. That's what <laughs> she that's what she did. Yeah. I like, literally okay. don't know why Simmons and Maroon didn't look at each other and just stop. Like they, I, if I was in that situation, I would Looked at the guy that I was literally chirping back and forth with. I was been like, "Yeah, let's let's just no, let's this cut is it. Dumb. We're this good. Is dumb. We're done." Man, if it if it was me, I'd probably turn around and start chirping like the Her, sideline yeah. reporter. Yeah, I'd be like, like, "What the <laughs> hell?" Are you imagine doing? Simmons and Maroon both just start laying into her. <laughs> Team up on her. <laughs> yeah, what is going on here? Uh, I know Simmons. Like, so I guess she used to work for the Flyers. That's what. So she, in when Simmons played, she was like interviewing. So she knows Simmons and stuff. So that was like a thing that was brought up online. Well, um, she so wasn't. Yeah. She wasn't technically to back her a little bit. She wasn't. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm doing. If she was like, if he was soft, it was what. No, Maroon, it was Maroon. Maroon had said to him or whatever, but I still don't think. Why is that being? Why? Why is that being brought up initially? I don't know. Just, when when the team when the team that he plays for brought him in for toughness, pretty much, and not toughness alone because he does still have some skill, like some usability, but the main point was for toughness. When you're asking if he's soft, that's just, that is, does not go well at all. Yeah. For, no, for least like, fans, for him, and for like hockey fans in general who know what type of player Winston is. Right. And again, I think the, the main point of the question, she like, she knows that obviously. I think the main point of the question was to start a start some drama and a storyline for a first, the first round matchup. That's probably going to happen. I thought so it was ES- more of a joke just to joke with him, but I also don't like that because it's in the middle of a hockey game. Yeah, maybe I, I, I kind of save it for after the hockey game. If they win, I don't know. Right. That's yeah. how I view it. I kind of view it. Yeah. I viewed it more as like she was setting up. Cause obviously like ESPN is the, the rights holder. And the first round matchup is likely going to be Toronto Tampa. And she's trying to create ESPN probably made it is making an effort, including her to start something. It was like, that can be something we watch. Oh yeah. Pat Maroon and Wayne Simmons are going at it again. Right. And people can point to that and watch. And like, 
she got what she wanted out of the question question because Simmons chirped chirped him, right? Right. Like he he didn't yeah. stop in his tracks and say that was a dumb question. He went at Maroon, which is what she wanted. So ultimately, whether you think it's a it dumb worked. question or not, she got what she wanted out of the the question. So then, in yeah. the sense, it, it's a smart question. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Like, I, I saw it from that point too a little bit, but it was just kind of like how she asked. I don't know. It was weird. It was just yeah. awkward. For everything, and, for, for everything, for everything that people could get mad about with Leah Hextall this year, like this is not the one I'm talking about anywhere close. No, no, exactly. Like, I understand she's like, like Grant said, like it was a joke. Obviously, well, I, I'd assume it was a joke, and her being like knowing Wayne, I'd assume it was a joke. But like, like Grant said, he's in the middle of a game and stuff like that. Like, he's not going to be in a joking matter, I would say, especially after a couple f bomb matches back and forth you know we like that. um in the battle yeah i love that so the best part of my game is my mouth <laughs> but uh but no like i don't know it was just it was just awkward and weird kind of how it came off but from her viewpoint and like the two defender like you guys said she she was doing her job and she got the answer she want she was looking for right yeah or an mm-hmm. answer like a, a response she was looking for sorry not yeah because he didn't really give her much of an answer other than chirping him. Yep. And again, uh, I guess move away from this Florida game. Cause I mean, the final was five, two, not really much else. There wasn't really anything else to pull away from that game. Uh, Bertuzzi scored. Cool. Gagne scored. Cool. Um, then we have game 79, which is a fan appreciation night. And the Red Wings showed the fans that they are appreciated. Let me tell you. Seven, two loss only this time. You know, versus the 11-2. So, you know, small victories. Um, again, it was kind of an interesting game. I thought Pittsburgh had definitely outplayed the Red Wings the first period, but again, they only went in 2-1. Um, Chad Ruedel um, scored it, you know, with abs- like Hiroshi, Stevens, and Osterley all had no idea what they were doing. And also Grant brought it up that Oster was back on D this game and um, playing right. He was playing right D for Gus Lindstrom. And I thought there's a couple of times Osterley was caught in a bad situation in this game. And it granted most of the team was, but um, yeah, it was a really bad coverage on that one. And then Raquel to Crosby, that, that goal, the first one was really sick. The passing play Raquel's kind of been a nice little addition for Crosby there. What I've noticed. Um, mm. Mark. No. Just describe nice addition. He's producing. Okay. And they didn't pay that much for him. Yes and no. They're going to lose in the first round. Uh, I think it's wasted assets. Actually, I don't know. You're, you're, that you're is pissed. such a tough Eastern Conference to spend in when your team is that old, is I guess how I should rephrase. I don't believe in the New York Rangers, and they might play them. So, Yeah. No, well, that's, go ahead. I was going to say, in management there, said as long as they have Crosby, Malkin, and Latang they're going to go for it every year because you never know if they catch fire through a time of year, those three players. Yes, they're getting older, but they've done it before and they can do it again. And they, they don't like, I mean, like Gensel, Rust, they're not that bad of a roster, if they, especially if they start heating up. Question oh, yeah. mark would be defensive depth. Actually, no, their D is actually like very active from the point. It's a they're system they the play. Most, yeah, they have like one of the most active defensive cores from the point like keeping pucks in and stuff like that keeping pucks alive 
but I guess goaltending again because like kind of like the flurry um, era after they won the 09 Cup when they went three four years in a row where he was questionable to not great right. in the playoffs. What's Tristan Jari going to bring them this year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, you brought up the good point. Is like you always buy with Crosby and and Malkin, obviously, right? In the tank. Um, it's kind of like the end of the era Dotsuk Zetterberg Red Wings. Like we didn't spend big bucks at the deadline. Like we didn't get the big name guys, but we'd get guys like Grant and I were talking about Merrick Zidlicky, this Eric Cole. Eric Cole. Great, great yeah. trade. That's one of the best trades the Red Wings ever made. David David Leguan. <laughs> what okay. Joke. When we brought Eric Cole in, did he not get suspended or like hurt right no, away? No, he, yeah, he destroyed his back. Destroyed his back. That's what it was. Yeah. That's like he played his last game in Detroit. Last game Mat- ever. Matthias Yanmark. And then David Lagland uh, was Kelly Croak. Those are two uh, very usable NHL players right now. Yes, mm. they are. Just kind of funny how that spirals. No, yeah. And again, Eric Cole, like to be in defense of Eric Cole, like if he was stayed healthy, he was good. Like his little stretch with the Red Wings. David Leguan wasn't great. He never was really that great. I'll give you that. But again, I'm not saying it's always the right play, but again, it's the the mindset of buying within your best player's windows. Right. And yes, they are at the end of that window, but they're still yeah. they're still in it for now, I'd say. Like, they're over a hundred point team in the in yeah. Yeah, they're they're a great team. Again, Grant brings up a good point. They're like yeah, they're not probably gonna go deep, but again, oh well. They did buy. Yeah, I, I do. I do like Ricard Raquel. Yeah, I just don't know. It all comes down to management and what you feel is right. I don't know if I'm. I guess I. Do you have the the Vegas mindset that nobody matters and who cares what about the players and how long they've been there, or do you have a mindset of I don't know Ken Holland where. He wants to sign everyone that he knows to six by six. Uh, well, again, I, I don't think Pittsburgh's in either of that extreme. I'm, no, I'm just saying those not. those are the extremes. Yes. And, oh yeah, yeah. Like you could just sell Crosby and Malkin and Latang, like at the deadline this year, and you know how much you could have got. Although they were sitting in a playoff position, I'm just right. saying you know how much they could have, like just started their. They're gonna have to rebuild eventually. They do not. Have yeah. Right. Enough. Okay, so up. then, so then, in that sense, the Red Wings should have traded Dotsuk and Zetterberg and Cronwall. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, I'm not saying they should have. I'm just saying that's the two extremes. Right. So they're and in I a think... weird spot with all, with having three star players at this age right now. That you're not. Pittsburgh... I don't think you're going to win another cup. No, I don't um, think so either. But they can no. sell the chase. Yeah. You can keep selling tickets at a high rate. Because they're still competitive and they're still going to make the playoffs. Maybe not next year, but they made it this year, right? And you're still able, still able to sell a chase. Um, and again, it's just like you've accepted the point that you're going to be bad at some point, right? And you're trying to yeah. make make the most of it while you can that you're good. And I think any Pittsburgh fan is going to be appreciative. Of, I think it's like 16 straight years in the playoffs. Like any yeah. Pittsburgh fans can be like, great, we we know bad times are coming. And well, like, that's. That's the thing is that they've said that for the last four or five years. I will probably I'd say closer to like three or four years, I guess. Yeah. That you know, bad times are coming, but we're gonna try and give you get the most out of this core and our rosters each year for you guys because 
I don't know if it was a fan base, like, yeah, I'd take those championship years. Like, I guess we kind of went through it. Like, we, being younger, saw mm-hmm. the 08 and stuff like that. But success for so long. Now we're in the the dog days, the dog years. But <laughs> it's still kind of worth it in that, in that front point. Like, Oh, absolutely. You know, it's better than being a Leafs fan for all your life and not seeing them win a Stanley Cup. Yeah, exactly. Right. You know what I mean? That's, yeah. And those teams, like, are kind of directionless at that point. I think the Pittsburgh yeah. Penguins' direction is pretty clear. Yeah, I, they're going to go. Like they're hiding they're gonna, anything. No, they're going to go as long as they can, and then they're just going to be at the bottom of the barrel for a few years. Yeah, exactly. How long? Who knows? But yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Um, but yeah, this game was yeah seven two. Get back on this. I totally forgot what <laughs> game we're talking about. Um, and again, it was kind of fun. Like I, I did say that they, it started. Um, the first period is two one. Um, but then Rasmussen comes out to start the start the game uh, or start the second period, excuse me. A nice little uh, low glove action on uh, two on one. It was a really good play by DeKaiser up the boards. And Rasmussen had basically the whole length of the ice with Sunquist uh, skate on a two on one because, again, bringing you brought up how active their defense is, like pinching and stuff. And they got aggressive and created a two on one. But no, really good shot by Ras and love that he's shooting more. Again, the mentality there. Yeah, the last couple of months, his, his game has stepped up quite a bit. And I don't know if that's because some teams are, like, getting ready for playoff mode and maybe not shut, – like, maybe shutting it down or overlooking the wings a little bit, but also utilizing him more. Like, where really – like, we said this a billion times, but when he started playing wing – granted, I know he's been back center for a little, off and on the last few games. But when he started playing at wing and giving him his touch – like, giving him more ice time too, I guess – more touches yeah it's a big thing he's he's getting the opportunity well yeah, definitely i th- he's such a weird one right they right. stopped playing him as much for a while when he was playing bad and playing so much and then suddenly something clicked with him and he's been playing the best hockey of his career so far his new year's resolution early career. has come true his new yeah to be better <laughs> I, th- I, really? I honestly I love think- that Okay, all jokes aside, I think he was being truthful. I think he knows that he's been bad. And right. which I, I I love when a player is just open about being bad and know that they have so much more to give and that if they truly, if that was his actual New Year's resolution, New Year's resolution, but just <laughs> saying that he wants to be better and he's going to do everything in his power to be better. He truly has been one – one, if not the best player down the stretch, improvement wise, probably oh, the, absolutely, probably the best, and all around like consistency, production, play, effort, skating, mm-hmm. hitting, all that. You know, like all around, yes, hundred percent. I agree. That's a big thing with NHL players. I feel is game in game out having that effort. You don't see it all the time from bigger players. I bring up Anthony Mantha all the time. He never has the hundred percent effort all the time. And when he does, he's scary. Why, why is that a thing for players? I, what, what what happens where they're going through the stretches where they're just coasting around? Like Mm -hmm. sometimes like, yeah, stretches, I guess. Cause it's, it's different. Cause like if you, you're allowed to have an off night, you know, two two off nights a month or something like that. If you're a star player, I'd say like three, maybe even depends how packed your schedule is. Because 82 games, 
and like back to backs and stuff like that travel that all plays into it but if you're going through a stretch of like a month where you're you're like horrendous and then the next month you're a superstar again and then you're back down to her like it's it is weird <clears throat> and like kind of goes like player by player but like even the wings in general when we're losing bad and not playing that's what's frustrating like no one's trying or one or two guys are trying and like the one thing you can control as an individual player is your effort you may not be able to control where the puck goes or like if the puck goes in the net or you know like how things might work out but you can control your own individual effort and it's usually more with forwards than it is the defensemen yeah typically I, I just I'm always curious on the players that have these these times where they're just they look lackluster and lazy mm-hmm. what what's going on I, I I have never understood that and it's typically with bigger players that can show explosiveness right Athanasiu is another one I mean he wasn't big but he would go through those spurts all the time Johan Franzen when he was yeah but he when he was uh, I compare him to Anthony Mantha except multiply that by five he was so scary oh he was a mess yeah he was if he could have played that he was he he was a superior superstar. player. To, he's a superior player to Mantha. Well, yeah, that's why I said times it by five. Yeah. Um, uh, but those kind of players are just you'll get that every now and again where you just won't even notice them. And I, if you do notice them, it's in a bad way. There's right, which is one which is go ahead. I was gonna say there's one superstar that um <clears throat> my buddy he loves to hate on when he's not like moving his feet and everything like that, but it's like it's it's Nikita Kucherov because like Kucherov looks like when like he's not having a good game or if he's not engaged, he looks like a pile of shit out there. Like he looks terrible, but it only takes a half split second for him to change the game at the same time because he's so skilled, I, right? I he that's also the same thing with Verona. Right. Verona Verona plays that similar style where he can be doing looking like uh, just a lazy player for so long and just making so many mistakes. And then all of a sudden snap of a second, the game changes. Yeah. It's like when they want to turn it on, they control the game, but then it's like what, whether or not they feel like turning it on that night. Now come playoff time, Kucherov's a little bit different because there's something to, like closer in sight, I should say. Like not, not that there's nothing to play for every other night, but or every regular season night, but come playoffs. There's I'll tell you one way to change that. I don't know how. What? John Tortorella. <laughs> John Tortorella does not have lazy players. No, that's they'll very be, true. They'll be, they will not be playing. Oh, God. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter um, who you are. But yeah, like, again, with Rasmussen, like we've seen in the second half of the year again, like he's having less of those those moments where he's not as engaged. And it kind of started, and it did start mostly on the physical end. Like, it wasn't really the points. Then he got moved to the wing, you know, that little stretch where he scored a couple back-to-back games and he looked really good. And then he's moved back to center and he still looked pretty impactful. I still think he's a winger long-term, but he can still play center. And right now we need centers. Yeah. He's a guy that, like we said this, I think a bunch of times on the pod, but definitely in personal conversations where he, I'm fine with him filling in for a stretch of four or five games at center. 
like, you know, a guy goes down or something's not working, change it up. But like long-term, like you said, I, I picture him more as a winger because over the stretch of this year, at least his most impactful games, I'd say consistently were on the wing. But like you said, when he has been filling in the last few games, he has been still overall yeah. better, overall better than he was up till there, January, February. There's no reason next year that he shouldn't be playing wing. I no. agree. Nope. Um, yeah. The rest of this game, there was one weird moment like that's notable out of the rest of the Pittsburgh game. because obviously the game went to kind of shit after this, but um, the four, two goal the Malkin goal where it was a weird scramble in front, like Grice, someone like Grice made the save, but it was still loose. The ref blew the whistle. Malkin still shot in the net, but nobody really realized because they were still kind of like pushing in front and it kind of went to review and then nobody really knew what was going on. Like nobody really remembered that the puck went in and it was deemed a goal because Malkin kept constant motion into the net after the whistle, which would deemed, yeah, I don't know. the The explanation was really weird on ice. I don't know if you guys like caught like it was the longest explanation I've seen for a goal ever. Granted, I do agree that like in a vacuum, that's a goal. The ref shouldn't have blown the whistle, but I didn't realize like I like I feel like that's a rule that's never really been talked about that like they can blow the whistle and it doesn't they can keep playing if the pucks like I don't I don't know the, the rule that I've always <clears throat> have uh, been told and learned in like the league any any level of hockey but mostly the nhl is like the when the ref raises his hand to blow the whistle is when the play is essentially dead like in reviews which to me is kind of stupid because you're always told to play till you hear the whistle so it should be at the sound of the whistle and i think that rule changed the intent to blow i think changed a few years ago and that's what i'm talking about this new rule that i'm not exactly like the exact wording because, again, the ref did such a bad job explaining it. Which, again, the NHL is so, like, how they do those little, like, things explaining, like, over the mic and then, like, not any more explanation about it. It just does not happen. So people watching at home that, like, aren't really hard, at, like, hardcore hockey fans have no idea what's going on. I don't even know what's going on. And I watch it. Right. Right. We're, we are hardcore hockey fans. It was something to do with the puck still being in motion. And that, like, that cancels out the whistle going. I'm not, like, I'd love to talk to someone and, like, actually get the exact ruling on that. But, again, like, it, the whistle well, should have canceled. My question is, like, why isn't there a buzzer beater in hockey then? If the puck's in motion. Yeah. Kind of, isn't is that similar? Isn't that not similar? Yeah, a little, a little bit, I guess. Yeah, a little bit. Like, in a roundabout If, if you're looking at it, yeah. If you're looking at it from someone shooting as the buzzer's going, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. No, I agree with that. If, if you're going to play that kind of game, but again, really weird. And like, again, doesn't matter. It's game 79. Right. <laughs> when we're not going to make the playoffs and I'm not, and it was a seven, two game. Exactly. I'm not worried about it, but still it's just like the inconsistency of the officiating. And it's just like, I'd love to actually get an, an actual explanation. Something that the NHL will never do. And I want them to do so bad is like make referees available post game for questions from the local media. I I'd, I wouldn't not even a referee even just an official because they have they have so many officials in the building itself. Yes, like a rules official. Like yeah, like um, golf does it all the time. So if there's a question in play where somebody's taking a drop or whatever, there's a official rules official sitting there explaining it while they're doing the review or figuring out what's going on. 
why doesn't that NHL have that going on for for games like situations like this or any situation really right. especially if it and this one I have never seen before myself personally no so like yeah that that's just random to me but like <clears throat> I think some type of official a rules official whether it's the on ice officials press box in score box whatever league official somewhere should be able to answer questions after games and yeah absolutely no, yeah, let the I, fans know what's going on <laughs> that's what i want um but yeah seven two final don't really have to touch more on any of that um back to back though they're playing in new jersey the next next day next afternoon um yeah i won three nothing and that was the most uneventful three nothing game ever two empty netters it was a one nothing game shots were 22 to 17 i think they were just a tough tough watch two not great teams going at it new jersey kind of similar to detroit in the sense but like again they got kind of boned by goaltending injuries and stuff and that kind of ruined their season Hughes being out too. Um, Hughes being out and Heischer also out this game as well. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. This game was tough. Hamburglar versus Ned. <laughs> Hamburglar has had a weird starting the season in Iowa, getting traded to Montreal and then getting traded to the deadline to New Jersey because just both teams just needed goalies bad. Yeah. Um yeah, weird goal by uh Sunquist is the only legit goal. It was a good turnover, like a good cause turnover by um, Rasmussen and Bertuzzi. But Sunquist never even actually handled the puck. He just slapped it and it went in, which, again, I guess is a smart play because, again, for a goalie to set up on that is really weird because it's right after a turnover. But it's just like the we- – like it was not a good shot and it looks bad. It's like, the- it's like a greasy, like, men's league goal in the sense of just slapping it in towards the net and hoping it goes in. It's that one guy who's like, He's never played hockey or just like outdoor <laughs> rink hockey and stuff, but he's like your good buddy, so he's on your men's league team. Yes, and you feed him because he's just in the right spot, at the right time, and no intent to stick handle or even handle the puck at all. He just takes a swing at it and goes. I in. think it's a really, really good impa- comparison for that. I completely yeah. agree. <laughs> um, yeah, like I nothing else really in this game stood out to me. Like it was, it was a tough watch. Uh, I mean, two coaches that are probably going to be on. Not on that team's payroll. We're going at it with Lindy Ruff and Jeff Blaschel. Um, well, we noticed like Bertuzzi with the empty netter. He was he kept trying for thirty because that was he his twenty ninth so goal. Bad. He kept throwing, and, and I, I, want, I wanted it for him. Oh yeah, me too. <laughs> Grant and I were on Facetime at this point, and we kept saying how we wanted Bertuzzi just to stay out the whole minute forty five that he was out there after his goal. And he did stay for quite a while. He changed that like 30 seconds left, but still he couldn't get he it stayed for the last three minutes. Correct. Stay out there. Honestly, that's, that's, that's like, if I'm Jeff, I'm just like, no, you stay out. Yeah. Just, like who cares? Build your resume for being a good, good guy. Coach <laughs> team. Uh, yeah. It, coach. Honestly, honestly, <laughs> like, oh, this guy, this guy needed uh needed a 30. So I put him out there for a four minute shift at the end of the game. And he got it. Yeah. Get some cookies. That's all I gotta say. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that did that. And I mean, cool i guess that was a good morale win nidalkovic 17 save shout out um nothing really impressive i mean he it's such it's so bad that like he's had games where he's played really well and let in three and then he gets a shout out for making 17 saves that were never really challenging shots so, I mean, I guess, yeah 
light work. Literally light work. Uh, literally. Literally light work. He, like, he, I don't even know if he broke that much of a sweat. Um, yeah. Um, but we got some interesting news right before this game that I think is a little more fun to talk about. Uh, not un, like not unsurprising. Or not that'd be redundant. Not surprising news. Wow, good good speak there. Um, Simon Evanson signing his ELC with the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, according to Cap Friendly, it's a nine hundred twenty five thousand dollar cap hit. Um, with bonuses and stuff, the AAV a year is going to be about one point seven million. So he's getting full bonus, like basically full bonuses and stuff. What I can tell. Um, yeah, I mean, season just came to an end with Ferlanda actually losing to Pontus Andreasen um, and his team, who's going to the SHL finals now. But um, yeah, he had a great season. I mean, nominated for Rookie of the Year, 19 points, um, 44 in 44 games, uh, played the most for – he played hit the most minutes for U19 players, I think that's what it was, at 19 minutes, almost 20 minutes a night, 19.45, I think it was the average, but – um, played with Christian Follin most of the year, and those two had pretty good chemistry. Like Follin allowed um, Edvinson to kind of you know play up in the offensive zone a little bit more, and Follin was more that stay at home steady guy. Um, yeah. Um, so it's gonna be interesting to see how he's used next year. Is it GR? Is it NHL? I mean, what are you guys' thoughts right away? Well, I mean, SHL still isn't out of the picture as well. It could be loaned back. I do think it's going to be North America, though. Uh, yeah. I would assume it's NHL. I don't – you can't tell me there's more than one – three three better defensemen than him already yeah. on the Red Wings. I don't know. Anyone besides Sider, I would argue with that that – Edmondson is already better than so um just depends on the route they want to take do you want to just marinate them or send them over if they if they want to marinate them I'd assume that he stays in Sweden I don't think he'll even come over see I I don't know like I think I think he's in North America no matter what next year because they want to have closer look at him and if they need him or want to and if he deserves it with or earns it I should say um, to be able to call him up very easily, very handedly. I just don't see a world where he's not good enough if he's coming over to North America to play on the Red Wings. So right. I, I see if they actually don't want him in the NHL next right away next year, they're going to let him marinate for another year, which is keep him in Sweden. Which I don't I, – either way, I still don't think that makes sense to me. I think he's – right. I think he's already impactful enough to play. No, and I'm I'm with you on that. Like I like I'm pulling up a chart right now quickly from Prashant Thayer that put up kind of comparing to um like other SHL defensemen like with five on five points per sixty and then Corsi percentage. And Advent, like Cider is all like all alone by himself, like one of the best seasons ever in the SHL and Edmonton's not that far behind him. And he did that at a year younger than Sider did. Sider was nine or Sider was 19 last year. Edmonton did it most of the year at 18. Um, and I think the management and stuff with bringing guys over, like they brought Raymond over at 19. I don't think they're afraid to do it. 
And all the reports coming out have said Edvinson's like one of the best players, one of the best defensemen not playing in the NHL right now. So I think he plays in the NHL, and Grant brings up a good point. It kind of by necessity, as the Red Wings don't have many other options um, without like trading or signing and whatnot. So on the roster right now, he's better than any left-handed defenseman we have. Yeah, agree. So what makes it interesting, I, I do think there's a reality that he could end up in GR. I don't think it's likely. I think it's going to be I'd, – I'd table it as 80% NHL, 20% AHL. Yeah, I was going to say if he does end up in Grand Rapids, it's going to be for a small portion yeah. of the season. Um, I, I just see no – it makes no sense to me if he's that much better than everyone else on the defensive core to have him in Grand Rapids. No, I, I know, and I, I'm more yeah. with you on that sense. What it does make things interesting, though, with how many guys, and we this will be a future conversation we have in the offseason, is all of the all of the left-handed defensemen we now have in the system that are under contract, then possibly most of them are going to be in North America next year, right? Whether that be yeah. NHL or AHL, which makes things interesting for the summer moving forward and the future. Um, but yeah, kind of finish off on – some Swedish roundup. Like I said, Forlunda ended up getting knocked out uh, against Luea um, and Pontus Andreasen. I mean, I thought I was able to watch. Luckily, you know, they're starting to show the games on ESPN Plus, and I got to watch parts of the games after, like, when I get home from work and stuff, and I'd catch the back half of a game and whatnot. But Andreasen's legit. I really love his game. He's kind of, for not being a very big guy, he loves to mix it up. Um, there was a point in the game where him and Edvinson were kind of going at it and they Edvinson burnt him behind the net with a move. And then Andreasen burnt him with a toe drag that ended up almost creating a goal. But uh, Andreasen eight goals, 11, uh, three assists, 11 points in eight games in the SHL playoffs right now. Um, he's been great. I've really loved what I've seen. He's got really good hands as well. Vision wise. Um, but kind of going on the Frolunda page. Uh, I mean, Soderblom was a little bit quiet from what I saw the back half, I did think he was creating and stuff. And again, I, it frustrates me in their system that they don't play their best players more. And you, they turn to the likes of Yol Lundqvist more than the likes of Elmer Soderblom. You know what I mean? It's kind of frustrating in that sense, but um, no, I thought overall, I mean, they had a great season again. Elmer Soderblom's going to be another one to watch for his ELC in any time now that his season's done. Cause I, again, he's a guy that's going to be over and he's most likely meet Grand Rapids next year, but yeah, I just, it's interesting having three forwards come over that or three Swedish prospect forwards that you're going to have basically that are all going to have the chance to compete for spots too. Who else are you adding in on that? What do you mean? It'd be Soderblom Bergren. Are you talking about as well? And then... Yeah. And Andreasen. Oh, right. Okay. I was, yeah, not thinking quickly. All three of them will be competing for spots. Probably, honestly, like kind of the same spot. Yeah, and ultimately I think one makes it. I I agree with that. I think it's one as well. Um, No, yeah, I've really, I've really enjoyed what I've seen out of all of them, really. Um, I mean, we could talk about Bergeron real quick as we move on to that. I mean, he just, um, Griffin's rookie scoring record in the AHL. He just broke um, 60 points, 68 games right now. Timo Palkin and bump. Was that Timo Palkin who held it before? Yeah. 59 points in 70 games, I think. Oh, that's right. He was so good in the AHL. Yeah. 
ridiculous. <laughs> Another one of my favorite. Completely different games. players, but yes. Oh, extremely. Like, but yeah, Bergen's been especially down the set. Like his his game splits down this the second half of the season, unbelievable. He's been he's been by far like the Griffins' best player. He's been mm, outstanding. Yes, and no. I get it depends how you look at it. I think like Barber's been really good when he's been in the lineup. Also, Taro, yeah. Taro Hirose has been a stud. He's an yeah. HL stud. So, yes, Bergeron's been very good, but those two guys aren't guys you can overshadow. No, absolutely. When it comes to next year and making the team, I would say there's a, he's going to have to fight. It's going to be a lot tougher than it sounds, to be honest with you, just because he broke a, a rookie scoring record. He still has a lot of defensive woes that worry me for him making the team next year. Uh, ultimately, his playmaking is so beyond others that it's not very common for a player to have that vision. Yeah. Playmaking wise. And again, like that'd be another saving more off off season content with what we can talk about, like lion fits for Bergeron. It, if he does make the NHL next year, you know what I mean? Like there's plenty of conversation to be had there. What his best usage is, but again, it is only a good thing. This is a good problem to have. This is when you start creating organizational depth. When a guy like Bergeron's like not a guarantee to be in the NHL next year, right? It's not a bad thing. Um, but we also had um, William Wallander got named um, U20 player of the year in the SHL. And last season was won by Mort Sider. And again, for a guy who people were pretty low on last year, come and turn her around. And after not making the world junior team. He, Sider didn't win that last year. Yeah, he did. I thought Eklund won that. U20 player, Eklund won. I'm pretty sure it was Cider. No, Cider won Rookie of the Year, I think. And Best Defenseman of the Year. Eklund would have won. Eklund won U20 Player of the Year. Okay. Maybe I missed it. Yeah. Was Cider Cider nominated for that then or no? I don't think so. I mean, it's the same thing as Evanson wasn't nominated for that either. But Evanson's been nominated for Rookie of the Year. Which is weird. But again, yeah, whatever. Um, Either way. Point still stands. I mean, a guy that the Red Wings are not Red Wings fans more so were a little bit low on after a whatever season in the Alsvenskin, and then not making the World Junior Team, which again most people agreed that wasn't the right call at the time. When you look at other people to select, that was um, I viewed as similar to the whole Raymond thing, not being selected for the Olympics. Wallinger was at a stage where he had just gotten hot probably way before the I'm sure the selection process for the submitted lists happened before Wallander took off. No, I think it's what it was. Playing very limited ice time for Rola. And then he really took his game to the next level after seeing more and more ice time. Yep. And he finishes, I think he had I'm trying to think of the points he had. Was it 19 that he had? Yeah, 19 and yeah. 47. Yeah, great season again. Um, playing a way bigger role in Rogla than like everyone was expecting. I mean, he started off as a 7th D and his ice time went up to almost 19 minutes a night. And then even in the playoffs, he was trusted in um, penalty kill situations and, and power play. So it just shows how much growth he actually has had throughout the season. And someone who we should be excited about. Again, I'm not he should not be a guy that we're looking at to bring over next year. I want him still in Rogla next year 
keep them there. Let them, let them marinate. I like the idea of having our prospects spread out through different leagues. We don't, there's no reason to have all of them in Grand Rapids all at once. Especially um, with how many eyes we have over in Europe too. Right. Right. That's a really good point. Like Nick Cronwall has been in those guys' ears all year, which has been something that most teams don't have that luxury. Right. So again, a really good point. And I, I'm curious to see what kind of steps he'll take next season as well. Um, yeah, we kind of got some, some late news and again, kind of ties back to Berggren. Cause I was going to make, I had a bunch of notes. I was to make the point of how he should come in at least for this Toronto game while Bertuzzi's out and he can fill in a top six role. But the Red Wings announced today this afternoon that they signed Turner Elson for a one year NHL contract for the rest of the season. Obviously most people know Turner Elson's um, been a guy with the Griffins for the past like four years. Um, been on AHL deals the entire time though. Uh, and never, he's only played one IHL game in his career with Calgary back in 2016, 17. Um, this kind of just shows to me that this is what the plan is moving forward is just, he's going to, he's going to finish out these couple games as a spot filler, kind of like what the Red Wings did a few years ago with like Matt Laredo and Ben street as the guys who were the, the spot fillers for the last couple of games. I mean, I think Matt Laredo had a point in like two games. Um, Instead of calling up Berggren, which I don't know if I agree with completely as a sense of the Griffins aren't going to make the playoffs. And I think it'd be valuable for Berggren to get a taste of the NHL and see what he does have to improve on moving into the next season. But it's not the, it's not the end of the world. And I do like um, with Turner Ellison, I think he's had a good season. I think he's up to, I think he had like 40 points in 70 some games this year. Which again, it's pretty good production. That's his like career best ever in the NHL. Also, but, um, should should know he was pro- probably my favorite player out of the AHL players in preseason with the Red Wings for preseason. I loved what I saw from him. I've loved every game I've watched from him in GR this year. I think he's been very good. I also think he's been very good for Bergeron as well. That should be noted. Uh, I. I think it's a good organizational move to give back to a player that is a long tenured minor league player that you've had. Absolutely. I agree with that. And also um, a cap friendly, you just sent me the cap friendly uh, tweet of Turner Elson's contract and he'll be making a pretty penny over the next four days, uh, projected $15,000 in four days. It's not bad. It's a good little reward for a guy who, has been grinding it out in the AHL over the years and you get to, and again, that's a good point grant of the team rewarding a guy like that. And possibly you bring it, you bring that kind of guy back next season mm-hmm. as like, Hey, like you did this for us. Like here's a nice little pay bump. And we'd like you to come back next year to mentor guys like Soderblom, possibly Berger. And again, um, Carter or um, cross Hannes, right. Way more like, so, I mean, it's, it's good. It's good business. I agree. But I, from a development standpoint, I would have liked to see um, Berggren in. But I, I can't be mad about a guy like Turner Elson being in the lineup. Does it, does it say what uh, Turner's made in the AHL this year? I think it was like a – he probably – with those AHL deals, they're probably something like 70 to 80K. Oh, I'd assume it would be more because he's – 
he wasn't on a two way deal. He wasn't like a, he wasn't on a two way deal. So right, again, but I still. He, I assume he'd he'd be over a hundred though. Maybe. I, just because just because how many years he's played in the AHL, like usually the the veteran guys will get like a hundred. 20, 110. I think it's like 115,000. That's what he made. Yeah. That's what he did. You just yeah. looked it up? Uh, on cap friendly, his minimum salary was 115,000, which would be HL salary. Correct. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So not bad. I mean, that's good. That's good money for the AHL. Um, that's really good AHL money. Yeah. Which is insane and, to say. Right. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. And again, so we get. And he gets that fifteen fifteen thousand dollars, which is crazy amount in four days. <laughs> if on on paper for like for like normal people looking at it in a vacuum, so I mean, good for him. Like I'm I'm happy for him, and I hope he does well. I I really do. Um, come on, come on score a hat trick. Yeah, for sure, for <laughs> sure. Um, I think it's gonna like that kind of leads into yeah. He'll there's two games Toronto on Tuesday. Um, New Jersey, we finished the season in New Jersey on Friday. So only one Bertuzzi game left. Do you think he hits 30? Yeah. Uh, if we have any sports bettors listening right now, my lock for next Friday against New Jersey and New Jersey, me and Garth talked about it. Bertuzzi is two for two in games against New Jersey scoring. He is a menace scoring against bad teams. <laughs> the odds are probably going to be roughly around Plus one sixty, I would say, for him to score, maybe a little bit. Plus one sixty to probably plus one ninety. I'd take that. I'm gonna hit it. Are you throwing ten grand down? Yeah, Bertuzzi <laughs> is gonna be so. He wants to hit thirty so bad. You can see by the way he was shooting on empty netters. Also, I would take Bertuzzi's over on shots on goal. Hundred percent. This call. this guy is gonna be firing every single puck that touches his stick on Friday. I'm taking both of them. All right. Yeah. Quick question for you guys now. Tomorrow night, Tuesday, against the Leafs, Matthews. How many? Do you, how many goals does he get? If if any. And how many shots? How many shots? Uh, six. I'd say two talks, three shots. Wow, good shooting percentage. No. Yeah, he's, no, he's I, not, he I doesn't say, shoot a lot against bad teams sometimes. Yeah, but have you watched him? In games that he's so bad. Okay. The last, yeah, the last maybe. few games he's played, he's he's had like t- shots not on goal, but towards the net has been like 12, 13, and I think like five or six shots each game okay. on net. Like a couple just, of them are blocked. And stuff a lot like of the that, games like, that are like blowouts, he won't shoot the puck. <laughs> but he's going to for 60. Okay. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, come on. I wasn't thinking about that. Yeah, right. He's two away. And quickly to end this, I wanted to run like a quick tankathon because I think we're at the point of the year where I think it's kind of fun to sim the lottery and just see where we get. I mean, obviously our odds are roughly six percent right now. It is exactly six percent with the A spot. Um, again, I'm just gonna run it quick and see what we get. Maybe we can just do this until the actual lottery happens. Um, oh, we got boned. We're down to ten. Two spots. Uh, Buffalo and San Jose jump the to the uh, first and second pick. That's tough. You know, that is something that would happen because look at our freaking luck loss. <laughs> oh my god! If we get oh, don't you, never mind. We'll be here for another forty five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be bad. It's gonna get ugly. Yeah. Um, but we, I mean, we find out May tenth. So I mean, it's coming up right around the corner. It's only a couple weeks away. So oh, yeah, yeah, it's really it's gonna be close. I know. Uh, 
we can talk off camera, but a certain a Garson Cates has an idea for the the draft lottery. So I can bring that up after. But uh yeah, that's gonna do it for this one. Uh support us uh through inside the rink. Um our, follow our Twitter at TPL Pod. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Again, leave a review, please. Help me.